Grateful to be here with you today. Thanks for joining us. We are in uh, the second week, finishing up the second week of 21 days of prayer. That's been happening at 7 a.m. here in the church uh, every, every weekday. And then on, on Saturday, we actually uh, have it at, at 10. And the time is because we are connecting with a ministry in Birmingham, and we are live streaming uh, that service, that gathering. So thank you for praying wherever you can. Uh, folks uh, are listening to it on their way in, and they'll show up at 720, and they, they're like, I listened to it all the way in on the drive. Here I am. Some folks will leave early and go to work, and they'll, they'll listen to it all the way out on their, their way to work in your homes as you're uh, moving through your day. You can pick it up later on throughout the day. This is a special season of prayer that we've been having around here, and we've got uh, one more beautiful week to go, and with that in, in mind today, I want to draw your attention to Psalm 34 in uh, the NIV, just one verse, Psalm 34 in verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord, he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears. Amen, right? <laughs> I sought the Lord. He answered me. Delivered me from all my fears. What we're trying to do in this special time, and I said it, I said it last week, 21 days in a row, there are people in this room that have literally prayed thousands of days in a row. But there are seasons when we're called called into a special or a solemn assembly, called together for moments of spiritual action, spiritual preparation. I feel like we're in one of those seasons right now. A couple of weeks into it and this third week and wherever that goes, we want to be a part of that. What we are doing in those moments, a call to do this exact thing, I seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. I know the Lord. You know the Lord. We actually believe that in some physiological way, he lives in us. It's not like I'm trying to find something. I don't, you know, I'm, you go to the checkout and they're like, did you find everything you needed today? Not everything. No, it was hard, right? I thought you changed the store on me. The tide used to be on this side of the aisle and now it's over here. I'm not sure why. Right? I had, that was hard to find. We're not trying to find him. There's this other thing where I seek the Lord. I sought the Lord. That's what we're called to do. We're called for moments to seek him. And that's not saying that we don't know him. It's not saying that we don't have experience or relationship with him. But there is a call to intimacy. A call to into me see with the Lord. So we can know that. And we're in that space right now, and we would love for you to join us in that space if you haven't been already. And then you can know this. He answers. He answers. 
We're hearing story after story and in our freedom groups and prayer things happening and looking at some of these cards and we come up here and pray over them and touch them and hold them and sometimes we put our hands on them. We extend our hands over them. Needs and he, we believe he hears us and we hear stories of the fact that he actually heard and something's happening. So we seek him and he hears us. third thing is he delivers us. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the deliverance, the bringing out, the bringing up, the setting free. He delivers me from all my fears. But what I want to point out to you today is that it doesn't say he delivers me from my enemies. That's not what it says. It doesn't say, I sought him, he heard me, and he delivered me from all my problems. It doesn't say that. This verse does not tell us that he delivers us from this difficult situation. It says he delivers us from our fear. And I think we can get some mileage out of that for our walk with God if we will recognize that his answer is not always picking us up and moving us out of the situation His answer is we stay in the situation, but he delivers us from our fear in the situation. We live a life of walking with him, and nothing has changed around us except our awareness, somewhat of a heightened awareness of his nearness. Because here's what's true. Fear freezes us while faith frees us. That's what's true. Moments of fear freeze us. We're frozen. Fear freezes us. We're we're stuck. We're, We're paralyzed. We have these moments of fear. Fear freezes us, but faith frees us. And there's a prerequisite to faith that we're going to talk about a little later, and that is hope, and that hope comes from knowing the one in whom you've put your trust and his ability. There's a story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, why don't you turn there with me? 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to read verse 8. Eight through eleven. It says Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, well, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now verse 11 captures what I'm talking about. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
We know the story of David and Goliath and the sling and the, the whole trying on the armor. And so most of us know some part of the David and Goliath story. It has become a phrase in our culture. You know, I have a Goliath that I'm facing, right? It's a David, I mean, a, an underdog and a baseball team. It's the David and Goliath. Do you like? That's a phrase that hits our culture. But the issue was that they were from the voice of this nine-foot, nine-inch man, bellowing threats, defying the God of Israel. The issue was fear. He bellowed, and they were terrified. David was just called to go there. He was just bringing bread and cheese to his brothers. And he shows up in this space. And David walked into a camp where Goliath wasn't the biggest enemy. Fear was. Goliath wasn't the biggest enemy in this scenario. It was the fear that people received from his bellowing. And I think about David he walked in the dialogue, and his brother tries to shut him down. And, you know, this, it's, it's an interesting human interest kind of dialogue. And he tries on the armor of Saul and the sword and the helmet. And he's like, I don't even know how to walk. It said he walked around with it. He's like, I don't, this doesn't fit me. I don't even know what I'm doing here. There's something that I have proven. And apparently he went out, and he went to a brook, and he found a stone because he had a sling. He wasn't boastfully moving around. He wasn't saying, God, I got this, I got this. Y'all are lucky I showed up. I got this. That's not what he's saying. He came to them in the name of the Lord. And I think about what he did. He got a stone. Is that true? How many did he pick up? Does anybody know? Five. He went to a brook. Can you picture David? He unloaded Saul's armor. Saul's actually going to let him do it. That's how terrified everybody was. Saul's going to actually let him do it. That's amazing. You got to think about that. If he loses, according to the rules put out in the game, all Israel is subject to the Philistines. He's going to let this kid do this. That's the level of fear that was in the camp. Everyone was so afraid. Everyone was so paralyzed. It's not going to be us. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. I picture David dropping the helmet, dropping the sword, walking out of Saul's kingly tent smelling the water of the stream and finding it and going down to it and looking along the shore and looking along the edge and with his trained eye, looking down and picking up this stone. Oh, there's one. We've done that, haven't we? Don't you go to a river, a brook, a stream, a lake, something like that, and you look for stones that will skip? You don't pick a big, fat, round one. You know what kind of stone will skip? We know that. He was looking for a particular stone. But you know what's beautiful about this? Really for us, the application for us, he didn't just say, one stone, got it. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me he wasn't sure one was going to get the job done. He didn't even know how it would turn out. I don't know that he was even expecting Goliath to fall with one zing to the head. That's how it happened. It's very human to me when I read that about David. Because I can read scriptures in the, uh, stories in the scripture and feel like they're so bulletproof. They're so 
X-Men, Marvel, so th- that kind of thing. That just, it's Iron Man, stuff just bounces off of him. Rockets that would blow up buildings hit him and just bounce off. But that's not the case. David wasn't blustery. He was trusting in the Lord. He went down there and he picks up five stones, not knowing what's gonna, how it's going to go down, but he's trusting the Lord. Five smooth stones. And I think about this, that faith isn't an assurance in how it will happen, but faith is a belief in what will happen. Delivering me from all my fears. I don't know how it will happen. I could tell you ways it's happened before. We might talk about, well, God did this that way, did this that way, did this that way. I don't know how it's going to happen. Mary and Martha call to Jesus, and they're like, our brother is sick. Would you please come and heal him? Because we know you can do that. We have a precedent for that. Would you come and heal him? We're a little nervous, but we're fearful. But if you'd come, we'll feel good about that. And he intentionally does not come. Intentionally does not come. Intentionally puts them through agony and sadness. That's just what, 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 what? And they thought that was it because that was the limit of their faith. Their faith had a limit, and that limit was Jesus can heal. Raised from the dead, I don't have a shelf for that one. And Jesus will say no to us sometimes, to what we might call an inferior request, a good one, but a less than request, so that he can expand our faith, faith that frees us. He can expand our faith and show us that not only can he heal, he can raise from the dead. It's not an assurance of the process. I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long it's going to take. It's not an assurance of the outcome. I do know that the God of Israel will prevail. David comes in the name of the Lord. And you see, we have faith, and we all need faith. But faith doesn't happen unless it's preceded by hope. Something that I can actually believe in. And when I see Jesus, whether I see how he did it in your life, or I feel him pulling and tugging on my heart, whatever's going on there, however that is, however that is, I can believe for myself. In chapter 17, verse 46, he tells the source of his hope. He tells it. He shares it. He says, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. The Lord's going to do this. This is going to be the Lord's work. I know I'm the front guy here. I got five stones because I'm not sure how it's going to go down. But it will be, let's have no confusion at all. It's not going to be me. I'm going to get to marry Saul's daughter. (laughs) I'm going to get the riches and all that, but let's just be super clear about this. It is the Lord that will deliver you. He tells him, he says, it's the Lord that will deliver you into my hands. I think there are two deliverances. In fact, if I was titling this, that's what I would title it today. The two deliverances. I sought the Lord, he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. 
I think that's one deliverance. He delivers us from our fears. And then he delivers us from our enemies. And many, many times, the Lord has to deliver us from our fear first. And then deliver us from the situation. In Daniel chapter 3, we can turn there. Daniel would be, if you open your Bible right to the middle and go a little bit to the right, Daniel's one of the major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 3, another common story. These three men that were in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These three young men were officials in Babylon. Now, they were Jewish kids that were taken in exile, but they were chosen and brought up in the ranks of Babylonian culture, and they were literally officials in Babylon. And in this story, chapter 3 is the story where Nebuchadnezzar builds this huge statue, head of gold. It's, it's a likeness for him, and he sets it up on the plane, and he tells, he tells all the leaders, when you read it closely, it's the governors and the satraps and the officials, it's all the leaders that he says, when I blow a trumpet, and I, 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 the edict that that happens, and you come in here, it's all the leaders that will bow, and these three guys were in that group. They were in that group that the trumpets were going to sound, and everyone bowed, and so they blew the trumpets, and everyone bowed, except these three guys. Now, somebody saw that, and it says in the scripture, they didn't, they didn't like the Jews, so they went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, hey, king, live forever, you know, all that whole deal. And there's some guys that aren't bowing to you. And Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. Flew into a rage. He said, bring them to me. So these three guys have an audience with the emperor, Nebuchadnezzar. They have an audience with him. And he says, do I have this right? Because you're going to bow when that trumpet blows, or I'm going to throw you into a furnace. Because that was actually the edict that everyone knew, you see. It was intimidation. It was coercion through fear. Right? They were bowing. Everyone was bowing through fear. Intimidation, coercion. That's what he's doing. He's working that whole thing in them so that fear will be what binds them, and then they will do what he says. So these three guys aren't having it. They're, they're, just, they're just, I don't know if they're standing up, leaning against the wall. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not bowing. And he says, I am going to crank this up on you, and then what are you going to do? And he didn't even have to. They weren't like, okay, okay, thanks so much. We got it. Walked out and disobeyed him. They didn't do that. They looked at him right there, and they said, we know what God can do. They also said, we're not sure what he will do. <laughs> but they said, thirdly, we know what we're not going to do. We know what God can do. We don't know what he will do. But we are certain about what we are not going to do. So you can throw fear at us all day long. It's not sticking here. Let's read from Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. This is what they say. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. He's able to save us from it. We know what God can do. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Verse 18. But even if he does not, 
We know what he can do, but we don't know what he will do. We don't know if he will or not. But even if he does not, we know what we're not going to do. What's it say? We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Fear is not going to find a place here. Fear is not going to find a hook here. It's just, you do whatever you want. Well, I'm going to fire it up seven times hotter. Sue yourself. Whatever you, whatever you want. It's not working here, right? We believe in this Lord that we serve. And you know what? It's true for us. We know what he can do. We could spend an afternoon. We could probably go all the way into the evening sharing stories, just handing the mic around, just sharing stories of Jesus' faithfulness of his provision, of his goodness, of his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his long-suffering, deliverance, and healing, and on and on. We could fill the rest of the day because we know what he can do. We look at the word of God. We know what he can do. But they were so honest. They were so grounded. I love it. They were so grounded. It wasn't just the highlight reel. They were like, look, we totally know what he can do. We're not exactly sure what he'll do. Because we know he can save us. But if he doesn't, let's be clear about this. <laughs> We're not going to bow. So we could go out there, you play your music, and then you have to call us back, or we can just do it now. Right? We're not going to bow. Flips out. Seven times hotter. So much so, if you know the story. The men, and he said, I want the strongest men. This old boy lost his strongest men on this thing. Nebuchadnezzar literally said, I want the strongest soldiers here. It wasn't like the guys were running. They had to tackle them and tie them up. They're like, well, here we are. Do what you want. Here we are. But I'll bring the strongest men. And those, those brothers got killed in the process. That seven times hotter fire killed them. The three guys get thrown in. There's a fourth in there like the son of God. Pretty cool ending. Nebuchadnezzar says, if anyone says anything about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I will cut them into pieces. That's what he says. Kid-friendly show. I will cut them into pieces is what he says. What? I sought the Lord. He heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. I can be in the situation this afternoon that I was in this morning. He delivers me from my fears. And there needs to be a deliverance of fear before there's a deliverance from the enemy. And I want you to note that the promise is not keep us from any fear. It doesn't say, I sought the Lord, he heard me, and he kept me from fear. We can have and, and we may fall into moments of fear. And the promise is that he delivers us. We just can't always expect to be immediately lifted out of and delivered from the situation because here's what's true. God doesn't die if, da I mean, uh, Goliath doesn't die if David doesn't show up. Goliath doesn't die if David doesn't show up. And we have moments where we are called into a space where we need courage and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Came, Jesus said, to give us power. 
He said, the Spirit is coming, and it will give you power, and you will be bold, and you will be witnesses. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples gather together, and they're praying, and they're asking God for courage, and they're asking God for boldness. And do you know how God answers them? It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and the house was shaken. Do you think the answer was that the house is shaken, God is real? Do you think that was it? Probably not. It was the Holy Spirit infilling. That's what I was asking a few weeks ago. Like, have you received the Spirit? And having started in the Spirit, are we continuing in the Spirit? This is Acts chapter 4. They just had the outpouring of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I don't really know what... There's a phrase in the Bible about being full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not trying to be cute. Like, honestly, I don't know. It's like, is it like oil in your car? You're a tank, half tank, I don't know, half gallon low, I don't know, quart. I, I don't get it. I don't understand the full of, not, like where's it going? I don't, get, I don't get all that. But they just had a baptism of the Spirit in Acts 2. And they prayed in Acts 4 and it hit them again. But what were they praying for? Miracles? No. Hmm. Healings? No. No. You can read it yourself. They were praying for courage. They were praying for boldness. And he said, I'll give you boldness and I'll give you courage. I will baptize you with my spirit. I will fill you with my spirit. We look at that in the disciples. The difference, we all know this. You, you know this if you know anything about the Bible. That right before Jesus is crucified, it's like a light in the kitchen with roaches on the floor, man. Pow, they're gone. They're gone. They're just dispersing everywhere. Everybody's running. And then after the power of the Holy Spirit hits them, they look at the council and they say, we'll obey God rather than you. What? What's the difference? You know the difference? The difference is fear is gone because of the abiding presence of God. I sought you and you heard me. We can't stop the emotion of fear. You can't do that. You, 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 you can't. It's imp- you can't do it. Nobody can do it. Nobody can. It's an emotion. So there's emotions. There's a, there's, a, there's a category of emotions. And then there's a category of feelings. And emotions, actually, there's only maybe seven. And, and the way I remember it, the way it works for me to remember it, is emotions are things that it's physical. And they just emote. They just come out of me. Can't do anything to stop it. Fear would be one of those. Anger would be one. Uh, Sadness, uh, disgust, joy, surprise. Like if you walk in a room and everybody's in there and they flip the lights on and it's like, surprise! You don't go, what should I do right now? Uh, How should I respond to this? You're just, you catch your breath. Now, the moment after that, you might go, I hate surprises. Why are you guys doing this to me? Or, this is so fun. Thank you so much. Right? You, You interpret after that. You open a drawer and there's like a dead something in there and you're like, you lurch. You can't stop that. That's emotion. Fear is an emotion. You look at something and boom, it hits you. It hits us. We're not living a life that we don't feel any fear. That's not going to happen. But the promise isn't about a life with no fear. The promise is about a life where we are delivered. Delivered from that because we seek the Lord. In these next several days, wherever you're joining these prayer moments, however you're doing it, we're seeking the Lord. Lord, we are seeking you. 
We want to see your face. We want to find you. I'm reminded right now of holding a baby in my arms. And I'm looking this way, and she's looking this way. And she'd reach out and grab my face and move my face over to her face. I'm holding, she'd reach out and want to see Papa and kiss my face. I'm right here, friends. I'm holding her for goodness sakes. I'm right here. But she sought me. And she turned my face to see her full face. That's when the kisses happen. That's these moments where we seek the Lord and he answers. And he delivers us. One final thing. Harnick, you might want to come up. Yeah. Psalm 34, let's go back there. I think it's appropriate that Psalm 34 is a Psalm of David. If you have a Bible that has that, you're not going to see it up here. But if you have a Bible that has that, it says Psalm 34 of David. When he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. This is a Psalm of David when he feigned, pretended to be insane. Now, Abimelech was a Philistine king, which is very interesting. Because Goliath identified as the the champion of the Philistines, right? And David dropped him with one stone. But later on, David is in front of this king, and the way out for David was to, like, froth all over his mouth, spit on himself, and act like he's insane. And the king is like, who is this? This is David. This guy? Get him away from me. That was his way out. And he's writing this psalm, remembering that. You see, this psalm of I sought the Lord, he answered me and delivered me from all my fears isn't a recap of the valley of Elah with Goliath. This is a whole new situation of fearing. You see, David did pretty good with the Goliath story. Not so good with Abimelech. And that was a little bit later. This is a story of fear of Abimelech, but it's also a story when you read it It's a story of the fear of Saul. David ran from Saul. That was his plan to save himself. He ran from Saul. That was his plan. Saul threatens him and he takes off running. He is an exile. He makes himself a voluntary exile. I'm leaving. I fear you and I'm leaving. Anointed? Yes. Anointed king? Yes but he's running. And then he runs to the enemies of Saul, the Philistines, and he's afraid of being in front of Abimelech because they're chanting, David, you know, Saul killed his thousands, and David, it's ten thousands. He's like, oh, no, he's going to think I'm a threat. I, I got to do something. It's very curious to me. This is written much later about how he fell to fear. Let's read it, verse, uh, verse 1. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Because it wasn't. 
My soul will boast in the Lord and let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Because I didn't. (laughs) Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together because, well, that time we didn't. We missed it. You see, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This is the older man looking back on those fear moments. I wouldn't have known this. I would have never put this together. That's what, that, that's what the, the, the writers of the book tell us, right? The, the theologians, they're like, this is the psalm that connects to his running. This is the psalm that connects to his fear and to his, his failure after great success. He says, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. You see, David is looking back as this older man. And he says, okay, I did good with Goliath. I didn't do so good in this moment with Saul and Abimelech. But you know what? I'm going to remind myself of a few things. I'm going to remind myself that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And what's he say again? He delivers them. I'm going to remind myself. Maybe in these next several days of prayer, that's what we're doing. We're walking around. I love when I'm in here and I'm I'm watching people walk around with Bibles. And they're praying. And there are young people all over this room this weekend, Friday and Saturday, and writing and journaling. And I just looked around and their Bibles were open and they were writing prayers and journaling. And I thought, that's not our style. We didn't grow up doing that. No. But it's beautiful. Beautiful, reminding ourselves, remembering the angel of the Lord. What can this verse do for you today? What can this verse do for you today as you say it over and over? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. So guess where we should be in this? We should be those who who fear him. (laughs) Not all the other. In fact, deliver us. My fear of you, my fear of God is what delivers me from my fear of these other things. Lift me. And then he goes on, verse 8. Remind yourself this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes what? What's it say? Refuge. Change that slide for me. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Written by David after running from Saul trying to find refuge after running and feigning insanity from Abimelech, trying to find refuge, but then he's reminding himself. You see, the angel of the Lord camps around about those that fear him, and you can taste and see that the Lord's good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. How many of you, me, I, all of us, need to take refuge in him? Find ourselves seeking him for peace. Removing fear. Resting in his hand which is strong and filled with grace. We're moving into these last few days of prayer. My encouragement is that wherever you are, maybe, because what happens is they do a couple songs. Someone gives a five to ten minute direction. So far, they've always been, they've just been good. They're good, they're solid, they're biblical, direction. We do another song and then we pray for about 25 minutes. What are we gonna do in that 25 minutes? Because then they come back at the very end, it's a corporate prayer, we're praying for our nation, we're praying for the lost, we're praying for all kinds of different things. 
But in that window, your window, your 25-minute window, we'll just call it that. It can happen today. It doesn't have to be with that, the 21 days of prayer, but it, it can happen today. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is my refuge and strength. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. For some of us, maybe all of us, I don't know. But instead of all the prayer about deliver me from the situation, how about deliver me from the fear that I have? And let me stay in the situation with you. And when someone needs edified, here I am. And when Goliath needs to fall, I'm your guy. But I'm looking to you the whole time. The angels of the Lord camp about those that fear him. I am talking about you. The greatest enemy in that camp was not Goliath. It was that they were dismayed and terrified. They were frozen by threats. They were frozen by words. We all know, you know, Satan is likened unto what kind of animal? A lion, a serpent, fear, scaring us, right? You're either in this room, you're either scared of snakes or you're scared of lions, huh? Like it gets us, that get us all, anybody? <laughs> you know? If you're like, I don't mind snakes at all. Okay, you got me there, right? It's, it's lions or snakes. What kind of lion? Roaring lion. Not just a lion that's prancing, but a lion that's intimidating. Roaring. Trying to freeze us. I'm not any kind of zoologist or any kind of thing like that, but I'm told, understand, that that's part of the package. That's part of the whole thing, that roar. The kids and I went out to the big cat thing, I guess is going to be this way. Center point, that deal. And Caitlin was a docent there, like showed us around. And we were standing at a chain link fence. It went 10 feet high. Standing right next to it, all the way to the ground. Posts, I wasn't afraid that fence was going to fall. It looked solid. And there was a lion, literally, I could have like reached in and touched, you know, do lions have fur? Is that what they have? I could have touched it was like leaned against, like your dog on a chain link fence, you know, stuck through. And his big old head was like this, sitting there. And so we're just standing, literally, we're standing talking. She's like, his name is King, and he's been here the longest. She's like going through this whole thing. And all of a sudden, our boy lets out this sound. My blood was frozen. It was this... It came from some other world. I stood there, and I was like, oh, my God. I wasn't afraid because of the fence, but I thought. It, it, it was gripping the intimidating power of, like, just this low rumble. Forget, open your mouth, and roar at us. That's what Satan does. He roars at us, just like Goliath in the valley. Comes out big and bad. And roars at us. He's got nothing. It's the last thing. Like, he's got nothing. We're not fearing that anymore. We're not fearing the roar. 
We're not fearing the situation anymore. We lift our eyes to the hills. From whence cometh our help, our help comes from the Lord. Arnick, I want you to lead us. We've been praying about this song. My invitation is that you walk into a moment, a continued moment, even right now. And our eyes, whatever our eyes have been on, other than him, that's, what Sunday, that's what's so beautiful about Sunday. It helps us recalibrate to him, relook to him. You see, the angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him. King Nebuchadnezzar looks to his officials and he says, oh, that angel's visited those boys. There's a fourth one in there. He'll be with you in the fire. But where was he? With them in the fire. So we don't have to fear the roar. We don't have to fear the fire. We can lean into him. Lead us, man. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I Look like 
like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, oh, oh. it may look like I'm surrounded. By you. It may look like I'm, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight now. Say that again. This is how I fight. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. Because I know, oh, oh, who holds my future. If you know it, sing it. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And life is worth the living just because he lives. He doesn't say fear won't show back up. He says fear not. Isaiah 41 came to mind. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I've chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners I called you and said, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Who comforts us in fear? God does. His Holy Spirit. It's in those, in those spaces where we experience the Lord. So fear will come. And it comes in all sorts of silly, crazy things when we look back on it after, it's, after the initial shock comes. You know, yesterday it came for me. Yesterday it came for me because work called. Work called and my dad was on his way to help me with something. And I was going to either have to, I felt like I'm either going to have to disappoint my dad or my wife or I'm going to have to disappoint the guys that are at work or, or something bad's going to happen. But you know what? You know what the, the door to fear was? It was answer the phone. Be honest with the person who's calling me 
and tell him, I can't come right now and I really don't want to come. You know what? That's what I said. I don't want to come. And he said, you know what he said? He said, all right, can you come in the morning? Well, what if I can't fix it before church? You know what? My coworker came too. We had that thing fixed in 10 minutes. And all my fear, all of that turmoil, you know what it did? It taught me the Lord is faithful. And Andy was mentioned, he mentioned, like when he talked about, I don't have a shelf. Lazarus's family didn't have a shelf. They had a shelf for healing, but they didn't have a shelf for raising him from the dead. The, okay, the nerd in me thought about a mathematical limit. That we have an equation for life that goes up to this point. And that's all the work. We're only going to process it up to this point. I think we sometimes do that with the Lord and what he calls us to do. Like, I, I can't speak on the stage. That was a limit for me one day. One, there was a time that was my limit. You know, I will go into that classroom with those stinky middle schoolers, but I don't want to be in front of everybody. That was my limit. I will live for you, Lord, but, you know, I really don't want to be embarrassed in front of my friends and coworkers. And all of those limits that are fear is where the Lord, his Holy Spirit, touches me and growth happens. So don't fear fear either. Because that's where the Lord, we wouldn't have known David's story. We wouldn't have had that psalm. And I guarantee every one of you in your life, there's a fear that you conquered and you are so glad you did. And you look at it now and you say, why was I ever afraid? And that's the journey that we're on. To step through those fears together. To give grace to, give grace to the person who's afraid of spiders and snakes. And if I have to clean the snakes out of the places at work for the adult men who can't handle the six-inch snake, I will do that and I will show them grace during that space. Because work may call and I may freak out. And my wife shows me grace, my dad shows me grace, and my coworkers show me grace, and the Lord gets the credit. So thank you, Lord, for the credit of grace as, I, as you... Give me opportunities to be afraid and to see your victory. That's what we do. We walk trusting him with our eyes on him. So maybe your fear this morning is I want to invite somebody to lunch that I've never invited to lunch before. Conquer that fear. Maybe my fear is I'll have to wait too long at the restaurant and I want to hang around and talk. That's my favorite part is hanging around. That's why I'm the last guy out of the church a lot of times. Love it. Conquer, your, conquer a fear this week. Let the Lord show you who he is. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are. We praise your name and look forward to every opportunity to connect with you. In Jesus' name, we have hope and trust that you will be there in the fire. You promised that you would, and you showed us that you do. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen.